0: Today on CityCast Denver, the midterm elections are about a month away, and Colorado Republicans have succumbed to what can only be described as furry panic.
1: Yeah, kids identifying as cats. It sounds absolutely ridiculous, but it's happening all over Colorado, and schools are tolerating it.
0: It's insane. Me and Bree and one of our favorite regular guests are digging into those comments from gubernatorial candidate Heidi Gonal and the shocking firing of one of our state's most influential historians. But before we dive in, a quick programming note. We're off on Monday for Indigenous Peoples Day, so don't expect us back in your feed until Tuesday morning. Today is Friday, October 7th, 2022. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the fourth drunkest city in America. That's according to a new report out this week from a real estate data company called Clever. I read about it in our guest's publication. We'll introduce her in a second, but it's Friday. We are back in the Lindy Zimmer studio. We're talking about the news of the week. Bree, of course, is here. Hey, Bree. Hi. So, Bree, we're talking about how drunk Denver is. I'm not going to ask you about the Great American Beer Fest, but it's beer week and you're sober. Do you have any feelings about this week? I mean... No.
2: I mean, to me, it's like any other convention, right? We yeah. get a lot of conventions coming through this city for all different things. So, you know, I get it. It's a tourism draw. It it does a lot for our city, but the the fourth drunkest city thing is like... I don't know. I think that stuff's kind of BS. Meh.
0: Yeah, probably. Like I mean, I'm a, a recovering
2: alcoholic and could be a recovering alcoholic in any city. It really had nothing to do with my city. So, yeah.
3: meh.
0: Also joining us today is Westward founder and editor, Patty Calhoun. Welcome, Patty.
3: Good morning. And I'm doing my best to raise our rates so that we get to <laughs> at least three next year. <laughs>
0: Um. Good luck.
2: I, I guess. don't understand. <laughs> I that kind, I just those kinds of things are just so benign to me. The, like, well, the listicles—they're yes. silly.
3: And I will give this one credit. They did give Colorado number one for or Denver for craft beer. And the whole thing about the Great American Beer Festival is it's really a celebration of a homegrown industry. When totally. you think about how many people got jobs in craft beer and how it's changed the landscape and how great it is that we have local neighborhood bars that might happen to be breweries rather than some Mm
2: -hmm. I mean we have a college that has yeah that has a brewing program so I think you're right Patty I should I don't want to characterize it as any old convention it's not like the you know home garden and home show or whatever but it is definitely something that grew in
3: Denver right and and there is no question you will see a bunch of drunks there
2: sure uh, and all over town yeah. but but you know what you'll see that for all star weekend you'll see that for every music fe- i mean that sounds like every music festival to me it's not it's not uncommon and it
3: just turned 40 which is really great and people are back in person which is also great
0: um all right so we've got a huge story this week that i mean i couldn't stop thinking about it seemed like everyone else couldn't stop talking about because it's just so gosh darn bizarre um, comes out of the governor's race where the Democrat incumbent Jared Polis is polling way, way up on his Republican challenger, Heidi Ganahl. Um, So she is trying to get some traction right now with a month out before the election. And so here's the comment that made headlines from Heidi Genall this past week. She was on the conservative Jimmy Sengenberger show Um couple weeks ago now and Jimmy was asking her about education and she criticized polis for limiting school choice and administrative bloat and then she said this
1: parents are ticked off about being left out of the classroom when it comes to like this woke stuff that's happening not many people know that we have furries in Colorado schools have you heard about this Jimmy Mm -hmm. yeah kids identifying as cats it sounds absolutely ridiculous but it's happening all over Colorado and schools are tolerating it It's insane. What on earth are we doing? Knock it off. Schools, put your foot down. Like, stop it. Let's get back to teaching basics and not allow this woke uh, ideological stuff infiltrate our schools. And it is happening here in Colorado. It's why I moved from Boulder Valley to Douglas County, because it was happening in my kids' schools four years ago.
2: (laughs) A person that openly admits they moved to Douglas County. I didn't catch that
0: part. <laughs> yeah, I like that little detail too. Um, so, Brie, I mean, we, we've we been talking about this. Can you just, can you explain what's happening here? Like, what's she yeah. even talking about?
2: Sure, and sh- I, I just want to give a shout out to Colorado Times reporter Heidi Beadle, who has been following and tracking this stuff and has sort of laid the groundwork for the rest of us as reporters to know what exactly is going on. But um, this is not an original thought from Heidi. A Nebraska senator created this wild lie about kids in schools identifying as uh, cats and requiring litter boxes. And then Bobert, of course, picked it up and was parroting it at some fire and brimstone evangelical event. And now Ganahl is saying the same thing, and she's basically saying that schools are being – Forced to allow kids to identify as cats, which has been conflated into this idea of the furry, which is an extremely niche, Mm -hmm. extremely sub-subcultural offshoot sort of, of like the cosplay world. And I'm really oversimplifying it. But it's such a small group of people. And it's mostly adults, I will say. And they dress up as animals and get together and hang out. Um, It's like... I. I don't know. I, I, it's, this is that we were talking about this earlier, Paul, this satanic panic feel of this mm-hmm. weird hysteria that's just made out of nothing. It's a nothing burger to me. But, um, I, I like, she's, Ganahl is saying this is part of this woke, ideology, this like push to ruin our schools with yeah. their, you know, all the critical race theory, all the things that they've made up that are not true. Um, but I think it's really important to note the furry situation or the furry community, I'm sorry, overlaps v- very heavily with the LGBTQ plus community. And I think that's kind of at the the root of what is really being talked about here.
0: So you think there's some some gay panic going in here with the 100%, furry panic? hundred hmm. percent. Or
3: certainly transgender panic. The whole, do you use a bathroom with a cat or a boy or a girl or what?
0: Yeah. Patty, what do you make of this whole situation?
3: That Heidi Gannal needs to check her facts a little more closely. And that's the bigger issue. It's funny. Mm
0: -hmm. But
3: everything she's saying has been so disproved. I mean, she talks about Douglas County. She moved down there. Her office sent us a list of the places there had been complaints and that list said that in castle in Castle Rock, the high school had to ban dog collars. Well, Douglas County just sent us on no, that's not true. Boulder Valley that she left said none of this is true. So she first of all, she knows nothing about Japanese culture because the cat ears, which some kids are wearing, out on the streets, I, one of my editors has a pair here right now. That has nothing to do with furries. It's Japanese anime. It's Japanese Hello Kitty culture. It's a very different culture. The other thing is, I don't know about you, Bree. My when I was a kid, girls loved to pretend they were horses. I don't know why. Like when horse they were, girls. Yeah, when they were like six. I didn't see any of them. Well, I guess they wouldn't ask for litter boxes, but still, <laughs> this is just so conflated silly for a woman who made her fortune running doggy daycares you'd think she would understand animals and people who love animals and people who pretend to be animals and people pretend to be pretend animals a little better yeah
0: yeah that's that's heidi's claim to fame how she first uh gained prominence she started uh, camp bow wow that chain of doggy daycare sold it for 17 million dollars maybe five six years ago
2: i like that point the Patty, maybe she would know animal people a little bit better, like people who like people who love animals. And also, these are children. And I think that's the scary part to me about this is um, Kyle Clark had tweeted that Heidi Gennall's office was sharing photos, supposedly, of these children with their faces blurred. I mean, this is scary to me as a parent. I'm thinking about kids with already marginalized identities or just kids that are a little bit nerdy or just like not. Running with the popular crowd, and now they're being picked on by politicians, and it is directly connected to this hysteria over uh, the tr- the transgender panic that's happening. And to me, this is like one of the oldest pages out of the GOP playbook. It's homophobia at its root, mm-hmm. and that's where it comes from to me. It's like this is just old school homophobia dressed up in a new in a new a new hysteria mm-hmm.
0: in a new cat suit
2: in a new <laughs> And also, I was a kid in high school that wore cat ears sometimes, too. So I didn't require a litter box. Yeah, that's
0: the that's the part that I don't really understand is like, isn't it? Wouldn't it be fine if you wanted to dress up as a cat? Like, it's just an fashion at at a certain point
2: culture right now. Patty, you touched on this a little bit, too. But I know like Twitch streamers and a lot of YouTubers. This is a really popular thing right now. There's even headphones with cat ears on them. Like, it's so benign. It's such a non thing.
3: Well, it's just like. Nerddom that they can't figure out. There's a difference anyway that between kids. Nothing to do with culture ideology, right? or furries i mean that there's just no connection between them so there's no fact checking going on at all even with the school school districts she says support her so that concerns me that anyone would not only say it and then say oh no she doesn't correct herself she doubles down on it and well, that is an issue with her she's not being forthcoming on a lot of issues
0: well on that point th- she has been pressed on this a few times and i have a clip here from fox 31 this is a host matt morrow Um, questioning her after the initial claim. Heidi, what are you talking about? So I'm gonna play this clip. Were you being serious or facetious there?
1: Unfortunately, I was being serious. I've heard from parents all over Colorado, in fact, since this story went on air and a lot of the liberal media is saying this isn't real, I've gotten over hundred emails and text messages from parents across Colorado, even outside of Denver, that are talking about this weird phenomenon that's happening in classrooms when 60 percent of our kids can't read, write, or do math at grade level. That is ridiculous. We've got to focus on the basic blocking and tackling of teaching our kids how to read, write, and do math and not put up with this nonsense in the classroom.
2: You talk about the nonsense. What schools are kids at where they can identify as cats? I mean, this was first brought up back in March by a a state senator, uh, Bruce Bosselman, out of Nebraska. Just a few hours later, he backtracked his comment and said, no, this really isn't real.
1: So I just heard from over 100 parents with identifying 30 different schools across Colorado that this is happening. So I would suggest that uh, the politicians and the media get out there and talk to parents on the ground. That's what we're doing. Jefferson County, there's a lot of this going on.
0: Okay, if you could, in the future, share some of that with us. We'd love to take I a look would. at it. I like that last comment mm-hmm. from the It's like, was well if you done. could
3: show us well, the evidence. And again, she moved to Douglas County, which is not exactly a liberal school board. And they are the ones who said, no, her list is wrong. They're not banning dog collars. And again, she knows her dogs.
2: Well, and this this whole grandstanding she's doing around, like, we should be getting back to doing this. Do you know how much work this has created for school districts? Every single news like reporter that's reaching out to all 30 of these schools, you can tell in the quotes from these school districts how exhausted they are by having to refute false claims from politicians who are picking on their children. Like, if you really cared about education, you wouldn't be creating bogus, busy work for school districts that are already underfunded and understaffed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the the list is at least so what I could find from the media so far is Jeffco schools have denied it. Denver public schools have denied it. Boulder Valley schools, Cherry Creek schools, Aurora public schools, Colorado Springs school district 11, all deny that this is happening there. Um, but I want to talk more about the politics here. Like I, why is she so fixated on this? Why is she doubling down on this? Does she just not want to Talk about January sixth anymore or Trump, like Patty, what do you what or, do you or think she's running? Zero
3: from? tax income tax. I think she thinks this is getting traction. I mean, she's certainly getting her name out there more now, just is the it getting it out in the right way? I mean, people have talked about it. Is it a dog whistle to certain people? Are you just maybe it is to certain people, but you let us pray that this certain people segment, is not big enough to elect a governor. By the way, and speaking of ser- uh, segments, we once had a free cafe. Do you remember? It was on Colfax. No. It did not last long hmm. because it is not a huge part yeah, of the it's population. it's a very small niche group. Like- <sighs> It's, and again, it's not the people who wear cat ears. Those are different
2: totally, groups. Totally,
0: totally. I, um, I was once visiting Pittsburgh, happened to be the weekend where there was this huge furry convention and all over downtown, it was people, like it was furries dressed up. It was an incredible, incredible sight to see.
2: To me, it's just like any other thing that people are into, whatever your hobby is, whatever your niche of popular culture is, it, furries are just getting an unfortunate spotlight right now and being mm-hmm. dragged into a really bad place. a a bad politician's bad, I don't know. I'm surprised. Maybe I'm not surprised. Like this is what the GOP looks like Mm -hmm.
0: in Colorado. You would
3: think she's realized it's a losing topic. And if she doesn't realize that, then you have to wonder more about Heidi.
0: Well, we've got about five, six weeks till this election in November. Heidi's going up against Jared Polis, pretty popular governor. Brie, what do you think? I mean, does she have a chance here? Is this the first step to some real momentum?
2: (laughs) I I would hope not. I don't know, though. I mean, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I don't think she stands a chance uh, against Polis regardless. I mean, to me, this just makes him look even better. But again, this is going back to this old school GOP playbook of homophobia. It's something that's been thrown at Jared Polis many, many times before. Now we're targeting children. And... Yeah, I'm not I'm I wouldn't be concerned if I was Jared Polis.
0: Yeah. Patty, how about the other big statewide races? There's there's Joe O'Day taking on Michael Bennett for senator. There's Pamela Anderson taking on Jenna Griswold for secretary of state. Do any of these Republicans have a shot?
3: Oh, I think Pam Anderson definitely has a shot. Part of it. First of all, she's a good candidate, Mm. which is a relief. Part of it is often Coloradans want to split their votes. I mean, this is still a state where the largest group are the unaffiliated voters. Mm. Followed, you know, and Democrats and Republicans are both behind that. I do think in the past we've seen if you're going to vote for Polis and the odds are good, very good that Polis is going to win. Not as good for Bennett, but still good, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially as more comes out about Joe O'Day. But you, you might say, hey, I like having a split group. And you might vote for, I mean, the treasurer candidate is a very good candidate, Salis Lang, And Pam Anderson is really a strong candidate. So we might see those two go Republican.
0: The one I've got my eyes on right now is that, uh, that Bobert race on the Western Slope. That Adam Frisch, the Democrat, yeah. there was one poll. He was within two points of Bobert. It was, was... his poll. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so, okay. Well, but then never mind. Let's <laughs> just <laughs>
3: scratch that. <laughs> But still a lot of it'll be in turnout too if if he can really get his people to turn out.
0: Well, all right, I think we'll leave it there and we'll come back uh, with another segment after a short break.
2: This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board
0: All right, and we're back. So our second story today is kind of messy and still unfolding. Um, but the headline from our pal Jason Blevins at the Colorado Sun last week was was a bit of a shocker, at least to me. Um, iconic historian of the West, Patty Limerick, fired from CU Boulder's Center of the American West, which she co-founded 36 years ago. Patty Limerick, I know, is this hugely influential historian, but Patty, I think we should start by explaining a little bit more about who Patty Limerick is. Can you give listeners some background?
3: Well, so Patty Limerick, even before she came to CU, and she was courted by CU, really gave a revisionist look at history, especially the history of the West, the history of conquest. And it came at just the right time when people started needed to start looking at what colonization meant, what conquest meant. And that's really how she made her name as a groundbreaking historian, and she really wanted her. And as part of her work, she started the Center for the American West, and she's clearly been identified with the Center for the American West for more than 30 years. I mean, it is, uh, they have a lot of programs, they have a lot of con every year. They got very involved with History Colorado about 10 years ago, so they're a real powerhouse.
0: This is this is an influential center and a draw for CU Boulder, for sure. Like, people go there to study with her, or at least they used to. Um, Bree, were you familiar with Limerick's work at all?
2: I knew her most as sort of a talking head in the Colorado Experience series. Oh, really? Um, yeah. That's how I got to know her. I actually didn't know her writing or, or work before that, but um, I love that series. I think it's, it's a Rocky Mountain PBS series mm-hmm. on Colorado, on all these different uh, aspects of Colorado history and stories, and I don't know. I always enjoyed her in those pieces, but that's that's about as deep as I went with Patty Limerick.
0: Yeah. Well, for me, I mean... I. Patty Limerick is just hugely important to me. Such a an idol, a role model. I mean, I, I love her work. I think I think I moved here I moved here like six, seven years ago now. Um, like a lot of other young people, well, young white men especially, moving to the West with big ideas of what the West meant you know, the capital W West. And then I read her book, The Legacy of Conquest, which Patty, you alluded to, which she wrote in 1987. And it just totally changed my mind. And it totally, it like completely shifted how I thought about myself and my role in this history. You know, it's not, it's not like the American story of Manifest Destiny. I wasn't part of that. I just started seeing myself as part of just the latest migration of people to this land. Just one of the many groups that make up this very diverse and fascinating place.
3: And one of the great things Petty Limerick has done is make history accessible because it's not, it, historians do not have to be pipe smoking, tweed wearing people in Ivy Towers. Yeah. I mean, Patty Limerick is fun and she wrote a column for the Denver Post. and She, she dressed up as the court jester every year? The fool. Yeah. The, the fool? She oh, right. the resurrected this <laughs> historic tradition of the fool, like leading educational parades and things like that.
0: Yeah. She was funny. She is funny. We tried to sell her on a podcast. My old job, we used to, um, we went and reached out to the center on the American West and tried to like pitch them on a Patty Limerick hosted podcast and- They weren't interested for a variety of reasons but i just meeting her and getting to know her like she was the real deal she really made history come alive like it's a cliche but she was one of those people that like had that really had a sense of what history meant to her and how it affected her life, and she could communicate that, and she can communicate that. Right,
3: and what's strange here, and we still don't know exactly everything that's gone on. We know what her career has been to this point, how important it's been. She was getting ready to move on. I mean, sooner or later, she would have to retire from the center, and she was getting ready, and they were looking for successors. And something got very, very messy. And there was an audit done of what had gone on at the center. But we do know that and, and the audit somehow resulted in her being disappeared very quickly. But also the whole five-member executive committee went too, which is also interesting in protest. So it, we don't know it all yet. And what I hope comes out of this is the center continues in a good form for history and for Colorado, and that Patty Limerick has a good career continuing to go on and she can still speak.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Should we talk about a little of what was revealed in these reports? Because uh, Colorado Sun did an open records request to find out why she got fired, essentially. And um, it seems from the reporting that there was a lot of work-life blurring of lines. That was the big issue.
0: Yeah. So here's here's the timeline as far as I could glean from uh, Blevins reporting on this. Apparently, one of the staffers of the center made a complaint earlier this year. And then in April, the university hired an auditor to look into what had happened. And so now I'm going to quote from Blevins story. After interviewing nine current and former CU Boulder and Center employees, the auditors concluded that Limerick's relationship with her staff is fractured and recommended campus leadership create a consistent line of supervision for the renowned historian. The auditors also said Limerick should have additional training to assist her with recognizing and respecting her staff's boundaries. So a few other details that stuck out to me were like, she had her staff plan her wedding to her yeah. husband. She had the, she used center resources for some of that stuff, but then reimbursed the center. It just sounded like there was some real blurring of lines between what were personal expenses for Patty and what were center expenses. But and, I don't know, Bree, what do you make of that?
2: I mean I don't want to downplay the staff issues or because I don't know. I mean, if there were genuine issues with her leadership, or I know there was conversations about confusion with power dynamics and her sort of not acknowledging those power dynamics. I, I don't know. This feels a little sexist to me. I, I just don't see these investigate. I would, I would be curious if a man would be investigated this deeply for things that are considered sort of emotional issues. That's my feeling.
3: Well, at least they are continuing at CU to fire bad football coaches. And let's put that in perspective. So the same week, the football coach goes out again. And um, the amount of money that CU has paid to get rid of their football coaches shows that we should be putting more emphasis on history than on football, I think, mm. at that school. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting, interesting point. Um, well, I want to read one one short passage from uh, Patty Limerick's book on the history of Denver water, which if listeners have enjoyed our coverage of water this summer, it's because I was reading this book. Great book. It's called A Ditch in Time. Highly recommend it. Um, but there's an interesting detail here in the acknowledgements. So Limerick is writing about the period after she published her seminal work, The Legacy of Conquest in 1987. Uh, she says... Was I freaked out by the success of Legacy and thereby unwilling to run the risk of writing and publishing another book? While the pleasant burden of that book's success might have played a part in my choices, a greater factor was the founding of the Center of the American West at the University of Colorado with law professor Charles Wilkinson. The robust health of this organization unleashed a wild round of activities perfectly suited for a person grateful to have been born and raised before the diagnosis of attention deficit disorder came into play. So this is something I haven't seen in the other reporting, but this is her writing about her own diagnosis of attention deficit disorder. Yeah, I don't know, maybe a challenging person to work with for that reason.
2: I just, I, I mean, maybe I'm just, uh, there's just been so many scandals in the world over people doing terrible things to their staff that this seems like so minimal. Yeah. I, but Paul, this is a this is a person you really look up to. Does this kind of thing change your view of Patty or her work, at least?
0: Not really. To me, it strikes me as a situation where, like, it's there was a bit of a it's it's a one woman show at this center, you sure. know, and it's it's hard to distinguish between one person and her relationships and what the center did because this board was obviously very loyal to her. They resigned after her firing. You know, all of the funding came from people who, you know, she courted, I'm sure. It's a lot of work. So it's I, a lot I of don't work. know. She, I don't know.
3: I mean, a good Can historian and a good booster for history just might not be a good manager of a center, too. Yeah, so I was going to say. What you'd like to know is that CU, and again, I'm going to bring in the football coach, too. Why does CU have so much trouble kind of dealing with these in a more professional, personal way that doesn't have them explode? Yeah, like maybe just doing some workplace training,
2: some managerial training, you're right, managing people and studying at the
3: history. Is I mean, you should be able to look at your expenditures every month and say, oh, maybe we need to tighten those up.
2: Maybe yeah. I need a personal assistant that's not hired by the school to handle the things that I need to handle in my life that I have trouble with. That yeah. seems fair. I don't know. I think I think it's a little bit something out of nothing.
0: Well, let's end the show today with a short segment. Um, As usual, there is a ton of fun stuff happening in Denver this weekend. So I'm going to list a few events that I picked out. And then together, Patty, if you're game for it, we will give the official CityCast Denver maybe for your weekend. As in,
2: you might see us there. (laughs) always has something hockey related on this list
0: <laughs> hey that's, that's exciting let's start there okay so that's that's my first one that's maybe my favorite the reigning national champion university of denver pioneers ice hockey team starts their season friday night at home against notre dame what do we think patty is that interesting to you <laughs>
3: I think it's great that they won. I will not be there. Okay, fair,
0: fair. (laughs) All right, next option. Warner Brothers presents Bugs Bunny at the Symphony. Saturday evening, Colorado Symphony is playing along to a selection of classic cartoons. (laughs) Bugs Bunny's fun, right? (laughs)
3: There's Another one I won't be at, but it's like, very nice. The popularized, for this. <laughs> just like history needs to be popularized, classical music does too. Sure, fair. All
0: right. <laughs> and then finally, um, this one comes with a shout out to our colleague at Denverite, the photojournalist, Kevin Beattie. Uh, this weekend, a new exhibition of his photographs is running at the Leon Gallery. They're calling it Denverite Presents Denverites. Kevin Beatty's photos on display. That's pretty cool.
2: I mean, he's a. I've said this before. He's a treasurer in Colorado. His his documentation of our neighborhoods has been unmatched. Like, I think if this was 20 years ago, he would be our front page photo. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, it's there is a little bit of sadness in me that we only get to see his work digitally. So the fact that you can go see his work in person it's going to be incredible. Also, I think he's doing portraits this weekend as well. So if you want your own Kevin Beattie portrait. I think he's doing them on Sunday. On Sunday. Okay, so it's a weekend long thing. I would love to go do that. I yeah, would love to, to, be. Be, to be honored to have a photo by Kevin Beatty.
0: What do you think Patty is that our is that our recommendation do I have to for pick your from weekend?
3: Your four? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Kevin Beatty, and I'm bitter because Denbrite stole him from us when <laughs> he was doing video work and photography. <laughs> a real talent. So that is a great show, but do not forget it's not the only show in town. It's First Friday and all the art galleries, especially 40 West and the start of Day of the Dead events. <gasps> oh, it's a it's big big Friday night. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, first Friday, see some art this weekend. I think that's the that's the CityCast Denver pick for your weekend. Yeah. See some art. Maybe. But
2: I would say go to Leon Gallery Sunday and get your picture taken by Kevin.
0: All right. Well, Bree, Patty, thanks so much for joining me.
2: Thanks. My pleasure.
0: And that's all for the week here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, Lizzie Goldsmith, and Erin O'Toole. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mochachetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Citycast Denver, and tell Heidi Ganahl about us next time you see her. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. And hey, don't forget, we're off on Monday. So we'll be back in your feeds Tuesday morning with a new episode. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day, everyone. One time I did go to the GABF, there's a Coors stand. I don't know why they make a point of going, but I made a big show of going and tasting all of the Coors beers and like treating it with the same reverence as all the others.